We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen. Uh, if you listen to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or some other platform where you could leave us a review, we would greatly appreciate that, especially if you like the podcast. You know, that would be ideal. We got some news items to get to. You know how bad Tony Romo's back injury is. Uh, Colin Kaepernick struggling to make the roster in San Francisco, and the Broncos have named a starting quarterback. Those stories, of course, and much more as we break things down on this Monday. 
Uh, Nick, first and foremost, how did your weekend go? You, you haven't really said anything about your weekend yet in the hour, two hours you've been in the office so far. Yeah, I know. Do I usually have like good, you know, weekend stories that you look forward to hearing? I don't know if I do. It's it was a pretty standard weekend. Um, you know, without football, the weekends are just pretty bland at this point. You know, once you get the game day activities starting up with with college football being here in Madison and uh, and of course the NFL. Um, but no, I didn't do too much. You know, um, I invested in a couple cases of Ham's Light. Uh, it's down to ten ninety nine at the the local uh, retailer. I should say. Um, and I recently moved into a new apartment, which is actually right next door to this retailer. Oh, so yeah. easier access than ever to Ham's Light. Uh, still working on Ham's Light as a potential sponsor for the podcast. Haven't really received any word back from them yet. But How, how did you reach out to them? Facts? Well, I'm just kind of hoping that they're listening to the podcast more than anything. Oh, I, it's I tough thought, to get I in. You it, reached out to them and said, hey. No, you know, I'm, this is me reaching out to them. And I have, you know, on multiple podcasts before, um, you know, I don't know. It's fallen on deaf ears. Yeah, well, yeah, that that makes some sense, I guess, if you take a step back and, mm-hmm. and think about it a bit more. But let's move on to the football. I'm, I'm not going to talk about my weekend because no one cares about what I do anymore. Nothing going, dude. I'm 31 and I don't have kids and I don't own a home. Like, there's nothing going on in my life that's well, fair, really that fair. fascinating at this point. All right. Uh, the Dallas Morning News indicating that Tony Romo's best case scenario for a return would be after the Cowboys' Week 7 bye, which means we get six games of Dak Prescott. At least we think we get six games of Dak Prescott. But I expect that to be the case because why would you not use him based on how much more dynamic he looks to be than your other options at the position? Now that you've had some time to digest it, where does Dak rank among fantasy quarterbacks as the season gets underway? Because you look at him as a guy that anyone who's starting is useful in two quarterback leagues, but in a one-quarterback league, what type of setup? How many teams have to be in the league? You know, Where does he rank compared to guys like Sam Bradford or Alex Smith? Is he ahead of at least a couple of those guys that are considered like bottom 10 fantasy quarterbacks? Yeah, that's the question. You know, uh, the thing is with this Romo injury is a lot of drafts have taken place already, and Dak Prescott probably didn't go in any of those drafts unless you live in Dallas and you know you grabbed him in the 12th or 13th round or something like that. But for the most part, he's going to be sitting in the free agent pool. So maybe the question is, you know, if, if you're yet to draft, where do you take him? If you've already drafted, do you run out and, and try to grab him in fab right away? I don't know if I'm scrambling to get Dak Prescott. I mean, if you if you're gonna say, you know, where does he rank among quarterbacks? You know, if you're if you're maybe drafting this week, I mean, is he probably in that fifteen to twenty five range, which I understand is broad, but to me, you know, he's certainly behind a guy like Jameis Winston. He's behind Andy Dalton. He's behind Matt Ryan, Mar- Marcus Mariota. I think he compares to you know maybe a Tyrod Taylor, maybe a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not guys that you're going to be starting in you know a one quarterback twelve team league, but if you're in a two quarterback league, I like the upside of Dak Prescott more than I do, you know, an Alex Smith or a Jay Cutler. Well, I think the immediate question also, if you're not going to use him in season long, becomes, well, what kind of daily appeal does he have? Because that's the that's the area where you look at him and you don't have to make a season long investment, but you might find him priced considerably lower than the other quarterbacks at the bottom of the price list. I mean, he wasn't expected to be a starter when those prices came out, and those prices came out, what, like a month ago now at least? Mm-hmm. So that makes a pretty big difference too. If you look at that, you can see him as a necessary GPP option, kind of like the way Tyrod Taylor was last year. If I'm not mistaken, Tyrod Taylor was a minimum price quarterback on DraftKings going into week one mm-hmm. because of the uncertainty as to whether he would actually be the Bills' starter. 
uh, going into training camp in 2015. So I, I think you'll see a lot of DAC ownership out there on DraftKings this this not this weekend but next weekend mm-hmm. as things get started and I think you will see a lot of owners at least kicking the tires if they don't have one of the every week top 8 type quarterbacks yeah. because if things click you can see the ceiling for Dak being really useful from a fantasy standpoint even if he's not great from a real life perspective Right, right. And and I know you, you probably want to talk about how this impacts Des Bryant. Um, I did a, an industry a Sirius XM host draft on Saturday, and he went in the fourth round. Um, you know, I mean, this, Des Bryant is, you know, a guy who I think has kind of been in that same tier in a lot of drafts as, you know, your AJ Greens, your, your Allen Robinsons, your DeAndre Hopkins. He was discounted quite a bit because of this. And, you know, I, the rapport that he has with Tony Romo, that big season in 2014, you know, it's hard to see that that happening with Romo out. But Des Bryant is still going to be Des Bryant. And, you know, one way to look at it is, you know, Tony Romo's out. This is going to kill his value. The other way is there's an inexperienced quarterback coming in who's never started an NFL regular season game. If he's going to be forcing the ball to anybody, it's probably going to be Des Bryant. Right. I, I think with Des, the guy you're looking at who suffers the most behind him is Terrence Williams because yeah. Jason Witten's going to get his share of targets, kind of a PPR plotter. Des is a guy that can just kind of go get it regardless of who's playing quarterback, even though if you look back, and I know it was Tristan Cockroft of ESPN put out a, a tweet this weekend showing Des's production with and without Tony Romo in recent years. The one thing you had to factor in that wasn't a part of the initial stat that that Tristan threw out there is that last season, Dez was not 100% healthy. So at times when he was playing, not only was he banged up, but the quarterback play was at a level probably below what you expect Dak to do. So no matter what your expectations are, they're probably above what you had for the likes of Kellen Moore and Kyle Orton and Brandon Whedon and some of the other backup quarterbacks. It's at least going to be interesting, right? Yeah, they're, you know, it's it, going to be watchable. Right. I mean, there's some there's some teams where if a starter goes down, you know, Green Bay, for example, it's like, you know, Joe Callahan, Brett Hundley, you know, there's not a lot of intrigue there. Like, from a pure entertainment perspective, at least Dallas has, you know, somewhat of a, a high upside unknown here stepping in. It's not just, you know, one of these journeyman backup quarterbacks where, you know, your ceiling is, you know, maybe we can go 500 while he's out. Yeah, that's that's exactly the way I think Dallas can look at that situation now. Um, as far as Dez goes, I'm not really downgrading him. Maybe if I'm looking at Mike Evans versus Dez at the turn, rounds one and two, maybe I take Evans instead. So if, if there's a downgrade, we're talking half a round at most, maybe two or three receivers near him already would pass him by. But that's the extent to which I would downgrade him. It's not a significant job. Right. It's really just looking at situations and saying, I feel better about Win- uh, Evans getting passes from Jameis Winston. I feel better about... Brandon Cooks catching passes in a full-point PPR league from Drew Brees than I do with Bryant getting those passes for at least the first part of the season from Dak Prescott. But it's not such a case where you look at Dak and say he's so unproven that I just can't go near Dez as a top-10 receiver. I don't think most people have that sort of reaction. A lot of people looked at Dez as undervalued just a few weeks ago because of what he had done in the three years prior to getting hurt last season. Uh, Moving on to some other news items, quarterback-related news. This, according to Fox Sports' Jay Glazer, Colin Kaepernick now facing an uphill battle to make the 49ers roster. This Hmm. isn't news, for one, and it's a column that was probably written only because of Kaepernick sitting during the national anthem uh, in protest of some recent events, of course, around the country. I hadn't heard about that. You didn't hear about that story? No. Amazing. Weird. Amazing that you missed it. Uh, But, you know, it it has been very lightly reported. As Kaepernick goes trying to, to make a roster spot, I mean, look, it they don't have an option at quarterback that you like. I mean, Blaine Gabbard's just okay. Just a guy. He wasn't bad last year. 
Not necessarily the guy you want starting 16 games for this yeah. team. Kaepernick's coming off of a major injury. The situation's even more complicated in light of his actions this weekend and his statement this weekend and what that means for his career. It's probably not good. Like, it, it's pretty obviously not good. So that could accelerate his, his departure from the league as a whole, regardless of whether he makes this roster. I don't think he did enough in the third preseason game to really make this a difficult decision for the 49ers. If he's around for next week's preseason game, it could legitimately be a toss-up that isn't decided until you know the Monday or Tuesday of week one by Chip Kelly, who seems to indicate that it's still kind of an ongoing battle between Kaepernick and Gabbert. And regardless of who wins the job, I don't really expect one to necessarily keep the other at bay all season long. So you think Kaepernick was maybe going to be gone regardless and you know, before what happened on Friday? Yeah, I mean, that was that was the talk way back in the offseason, even though mm-hmm. he's got a pretty big guaranteed number and there's a big cap hit. I mean, he's cap hit, obviously, being an accidental pun That's in this case. K-A-E-P hit. It, yep. should, it should be a K-A-E-P hit. But there was no guarantee he was going to make the roster anyway. And the stupid thing about it is that if he doesn't make the roster, there's going to be the, the puff pieces out there about how his statement has changed the way the 49ers look at him. I don't think it's actually changed that much about how they it, look at him. It puts both sides in kind of a tough spot, though. You know, it's it's if they part ways with him, it's, oh, they did that because of his actions, you know, with the national anthem. Well, that's, that's what, like, one extreme right. corner of the media Whether that's the say. case or not. And then, like, the other extreme corner is going to be like, good for them. It's like, right. Or maybe he's just not that good at being a quarterback anymore because he got right. hurt. Like, that's yeah. that's the, like, the, the big part of the bell mm-hmm. curve and, and the business decision behind letting him go might actually have more to do with what he is as a player than what he is as a person and what he's been doing right more recently and there's there's so much evidence not necessarily with the 49ers um but just around the league i mean football is what comes first for these teams if you want to go back to the greg hardy situation if you're an impact football player teams kind of find ways to look past whatever else is going on and I think if the 49ers believe that Colin Kaepernick was going to be an impact football player for them, then they probably wouldn't be, you know, tossing around the idea of getting rid of him. So, I, I mean, the, I don't want to get into the the ethics or the, you know, whatever else is going on surrounding Kaepernick's decision to do what he did. I don't frankly I don't really care. But it is interesting from the perspective of, all right, if the 49ers do part ways with him, how much does this incident for lack of a better term, impact his chances of landing somewhere else. Because if you were already on the borderline, you know, of maybe we should toy with the idea of bringing this guy in, you know, the negative publicity that it now brings is maybe what kind of breaks that tie. Well, the other factor then, too, it varies from almost market to market, too, as far as how people are going to react yes. to it. There's a lot of places where the reaction against this is going to be even more extreme than others. It's, it's Facebook, for example. Fact. Facebook is going to. He's not. Facebook gonna is not going to sign. Facebook is not going to join the league as the Northeast Wisconsin team. Facebook in particular is not going to be signing Colin Kaepernick. Did you see the video of the guy burning the Kaepernick jersey and then playing the national anthem in the background and just standing there with his hand over his heart? I think that video auto played in my That's Facebook peak, feed. Peak Facebook. Yeah. It. Yeah. It, it, it is and was. I mean, there's only a handful of teams really looking for quarterback right. help right now. But, so. but, I mean, he's intriguing to me. I don't know. This incident aside, like I said, I don't really care about that. I wouldn't be factoring that in if I was a team. But it, it, by default, you kind of have to. But, I mean, there are teams out there, um, you know, at the bare minimum, you bring them in as, as somewhat of just a, a wild card backup. You know, I mean, if you're... But then that adds, what, what that does is it just brings... it For a backup quarterback, teams are not willing to take on yeah. the extra PR st- stunt. Like, if... <laughs> If True. other teams thought he was still really good, they would bring him in. 
if other teams have any doubts about whether or not he's good, this is enough to push them over the edge. What, what about Dallas? If any team would do it, it's Dallas, right? Or Cleveland? I would put that, I, but I would think of Dallas as a market where that would just not fly. Yeah. I, I just That's fair. For reasons that seem pretty obvious yeah. to me. That just doesn't <laughs> seem like a place where, True. where he would be uh, welcomed, e- even though Dallas has shown as an organization a willingness to bring in players with certainly well, I, would I think much I think backgrounds right I think the anti-patriotism is considered a, a bigger offense than domestic violence in, in that market potentially unfortunately that <laughs> seems to be the case now as this offense in San Francisco goes Carlos Hyde suffered a concussion in Friday's game against the Packers so that could be a big problem for them Sean Drone still the backup there it doesn't look like Mike Davis is going to wrestle away that job the Niners acquired Jeremy Curley over the weekend from the Lions for some depth at receiver. Probably not a lot going on with Curley. And the more you look at the San Francisco offense, the more you just want to stay away entirely. You look at them and you just don't see any reason to be optimistic. Hyde was the, the player that you'd have by far ranked the highest on your draft board. And you could look at this as a team that struggles to stay in games. And as a result, maybe he loses some volume over the course of the year. Could be a good like RB2, fringy RB1 if everything goes right, but the odds of everything going right for this team look to be very right. remote at this point. Yeah, I mean, does this, does this have the makings of a bottom three, bottom four team to you right now? I, it does. It's kind of hard to think otherwise. Um, I, I mean, I, I still like Carlos Hyde, I guess, if you can get him as at a decent price as your second running back. I mean, you have to factor in the... You know, he is the incumbent starter and doesn't really seem to have a ton of competition behind him. I mean, that's worth something, even if it's a bad offense. Um, but not a guy I'm looking to depend upon as my number one running back. And this concussion news certainly doesn't help that. Yeah, I mean, he's got enough time to, to get healthy for, for week one, but not necessarily a guarantee given the quick turnaround. Moving on to Denver, Trevor Simeon has been named the starting quarterback to call the first team reps this weekend. So it seemed like the writing was on the wall. Broncos open with the Panthers. Paxton Lynch played the rest of that game this weekend. And then Mark Sanchez, who was completely healthy, did not play, which makes you wonder if they're only going to keep two quarterbacks if Sanchez is sent packing. The value of the Denver receivers of Trevor Simeon, to me, doesn't change a lot because, as we remember, Peyton Manning last year wasn't very good. Brock Osweiler was better, but still not great. And you look at what Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders did, they were still able to produce at pretty high levels, especially in PPR leagues. You didn't get the scoring output you wanted as far as TDs, but if you're in leagues that value receptions, full-point PPR seems like the sweet spot where both of those guys at their current prices may even be a tick undervalued. Yeah, I think Demarius Thomas especially is a little bit undervalued, and I don't know that he's quite the top-tier talent as some of these other guys we've talked about, you know, Dez, A.J. Green, the list goes on. Um, but, he, but he's right there, and I think playing with you know close to his peak Peyton Manning you know in 2013 and 2014 certainly boosted his stock but um you know even if he is slightly overrated I think like you said he's being underrated this year uh in most drafts the concern and I've said this before the concern for me is that Denver's going to go back and forth with these quarterbacks I I think it's somewhat of a horse apiece this season I don't think Paxton Lynch Mark Sanchez or Trevor Simeon are going to be all that good but if they find themselves shuffling between two or three of these guys you know on a a week-to-week or an every few weeks basis I think that's where it starts to worry me from a you know a rapport standpoint where if you're if you're a Demarius Thomas owner if you're an Emmanuel Sanders owner these guys are going back and forth between different quarterbacks and and I think that could that could kind of mess up any rhythm they might develop very true I mean the the ongoing carousel could be the worst possible thing how did Trevor Simeon work his way into this by the way I just I really there needs to be like a deep dive piece on how this happened there will be one final year at Northwestern seven touchdowns 11 picks 
part of that's the offense. Northwestern. Oh, sure, of course. Running. But, you know, it's, it's that spread. They don't have a lot of NFL talent, of course, at Northwestern. So that's a, a pretty big factor in there as well. So if he's a good decision maker with the ability to at least have the accuracy and right. ample arm strength to get it done in an offense that's kind of maybe set up for him to be successful, he, yeah. can, he can handle it. He can be a good game manager. Maybe mm-hmm. he's got all those tools. It's a nice inspiration for all the average college quarterbacks out there. Like you, you could start for the defending Super Bowl champions. It is. It is. It is a. It's a great American story. I think. It, well, we don't know how it ends yet, of course. But it's, currently, it's a great American story. It's, it's at least the start of a, yeah. of a great American sports story, and we all love those. Uh, some other news-related items: Kenneth Dixon going to be sidelined four weeks with a torn MCL. Doesn't need surgery, but this kind of gives us some clarity in that Baltimore backfield. You still have uh, Javorius Allen, Terrence West, and Justin Forsett all vying for touches. This probably puts Dixon on the fringe for me as far as whether or not I would actually draft him in a redraft league. I don't think you can sit back and wait on him unless you no. have a league with really deep benches. I mean, if you got 10 bench spots, maybe in the league like that. I mean, even if he was healthy to start the year, he was somewhat of a fringe guy already. Right. In, in like 12 team leagues with four or five man benches, he probably wasn't being drafted. So you probably have to dial him back to the point of unless it's a dynasty league right. or some kind of keeper league, you're staying away and kind of waiting to see how he responds to the recovery from this injury. Still could have some value later in the year, depending on what happens with the other backs that I mentioned, but uh, just downgrade him accordingly. Ben Watson suffered a torn Achilles in Saturday's preseason game on the first snap of that game, too. Really unfortunate injury. Watson looked like he was going to be the lead tight end by a pretty wide margin. Dennis Pitt is still coming off a major injury. You got Crockett Gilmore, Max Williams there as well. Do you like any of the other tight ends to emerge, or do you see it being more of kind of a timeshare by committee? Yeah, timeshare by committee. committee. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I don't. I'm staying away from that situation. I didn't really love Ben Watson uh, coming into this either, and this this just kind of further muddies things up. Taking a look at the Eagles, they let go of Ruben Randall. Uh, not a huge surprise given what transpired these last couple of weeks for me. A return to the Giants makes some sense. I mean, they don't really have a lot of depth right now. You got Beckham, Sterling Shepard, Victor Cruz, still a health risk, of course, coming off of a major knee injury and leg problems that he's dealt with. Muscle, more muscular in nature. It could be the fourth receiver for the Giants. Could maybe be like a three on some other teams, but have to wonder why he's just not able to deliver on that potential. I mean, last year statistically was a pretty good year. And here he is getting cut mm-hmm. before the last. It's not like the Eagles are too. just flush with wide receiver depth either, you know. I mean, a little yeah. bit. I like their top three from an upside perspective, but yeah, I mean, if you can't beat out Josh Huff or, or Paul Turner on the roster, that's a bit of a red flag. Yes, so we'll have to see what happens with Ruben Randall. I think he gets another look with another team before the end of the preseason, and maybe doesn't necessarily make a fifty-three man roster but maybe plays in one more preseason game before the the week is up and then gets uh, cut again perhaps this weekend. <laughs> but the Giants still seem like the best fit for Ruben Randall. Uh, Rams receiver Farrell Cooper will miss a few weeks with a shoulder injury. I wasn't going after Cooper anywhere. I don't play in any full dynasty leagues. That's, to me, the only setup where you'd want to have a player like that rostered because I just don't know where that production is going to come from in the Rams passing game. They gave Tavon Austin a big extension I don't really think Austin's going to become some kind of target monster. Kenny Britt is just such a wild card. I've been, I've been waiting on the Kenny Britt talent to uh, kind of uh, rise, and it's just it's not happening. It's just so I, I look at guys like Farrell Cooper as maybe a player that would take six to eight weeks to start having a contribution anyway, and with the shoulder injury, now he's in danger of missing week one. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Farrell Cooper, especially at the college level. I, I, I always liked him at South Carolina, and I, I thought – 
you know, being a, a relatively experienced uh, receiver at the SEC level. Obviously, he skipped his senior year, but I, I thought he was a guy that could maybe step in and give them something in year one. And that's certainly not off the table uh, at this point. But, you know, wide receivers, especially, you know, third, fourth round wide receivers do take a little bit of time typically to get acclimated and missing time to begin the year is, is not going to help that whatsoever. The Colts signed Steven Ridley to make their running back situation even less more average appealing more they're going they're going five deep with some seriously average running backs if you combine the best attributes of all five running backs you might have a good player but maybe i i think there's a lot to uh so now i mean so now is he there's literally four guys in competition for that number two job right turbin ferguson Todman and now Ridley right and this is a team that may only keep three right so Gorse they're not keeping safe. five they're keeping two of the of bottom four at this point I think Turbin maybe it's Turbin and Ridley and they try to bring Ferguson back on the practice squad yeah I don't know I don't know I mean you got an ex-jag and Jordan Todman on the roster always tough to keep those guys off yeah the, the ex-jag is mm-hmm. always a uh, pedigree pedigree indeed speaking of the Jags uh, Devon House banged knees with AJ Green in Sunday's preseason yep. game, uh, Green yep. saying he's fine for now. No update was provided on Devon House's status. No one's worried about Devon Yeah, House. no one seems too worried about Devon House. That was kind of odd. I was watching that game last night. Jags on national TV. No big deal. Um, no big yeah. deal. Yeah, right. Yeah, you've yeah, yeah, seen that before. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was concerning at first because Green, you know, watching that play, he was limping pretty heavily. Uh, so good to see that he's fine. But yeah, didn't hear a lot of mention of I wonder how Devon House is doing. It was just, you know, everybody seems all concerned about this A.J. Green guy. I feel like anyone who's ever played sports, doesn't matter, football, soccer, basketball, hockey even too, knee-to-knee collisions, like usually, usually you avoid like a major injury when they happen, but they just feel awful. Well, it's it's, like taking a knee to the quad too. Like it looks bad, it it hurts really, really badly, but you know know it's not an actual injury. It's basically just a bruise, right? Yeah, I mean people, you you can certainly like do damage going knee-to-knee, but it's kind of like when you smash your elbow on like a, I don't know, a table or like a sure. shopping cart or something just out of the blue and it just like like makes your arm tingly. Right. Same thing happens to your leg when you go knee to knee if you haven't experienced it. So sometimes it, you know, you kind of see someone limping after that collision and it, it, it looks worse than it is, right. but it doesn't feel good at all. Now, as far as that game last night goes, I know you're watching that with a very, very keen eye. Jags looked rough. Bad. Looked it was like, bad. There was a lot of penalties. It, they got they got down. I think they had a first and goal from the two, and it somehow ended up in like a like a thirty some yard field goal. That happens a lot with them in the past. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of thought this was going to be new Jags. Vintage. Jags, uh, we were going to be done with that. Uh, I, all all preseason, you know, I've been harping on how they finally have a back in Chris Ivory who can hand it to in those situations. No, no, nope. uh, just a bunch of penalties. Um, I mean, it wasn't a complete disaster. Bortles, 10 to 16, didn't throw a pick. That was fine. Uh, Ivory only had four carries. Yeldon only had five. So, I mean, the first team offense, you know, played most of the first half, but the problem was that Cincinnati was in control of the ball for what seemed like the entire first half. Yeah, Alex Erickson scored last night, by the way. It looks, sounds like there's a pretty He's, good chance he might make yeah. the 53-man roster. Yeah, there, there's kind of a lot of former Wisconsin guys just bouncing around like that. I mean, Aberderis obviously being one. Uh, Tanner McAvoy, I think, briefly led the NFL in receiving for like half a week uh, in the preseason. Uh, something about these white Wisconsin receivers. Yeah, something about them, I guess. I, I don't, Erickson, I don't. Erickson is solid, though. Yeah, I Erickson's think he's a good player. I, don't, I mean, he's certainly not, not going to step in and you know be a big time fantasy producer by any means, but he's he's fundamentally sound. He doesn't, I mean, he's one of those guys that you say, 
you know, he doesn't do anything really, really well, but he doesn't do anything really poorly either. He helps out on special teams. And I think from that perspective is where you look at, you know, maybe that's where he's going to be slotting into that roster. I mean, having watched Aberderis and Alex Erickson, like they're very similar players in terms of how they were used at Wisconsin. Erickson might even be more talented. Yeah, maybe a little more speed. Yes. Yeah, I think Aberderis is is the better, you know, downfield to go up and get it type of guy. Uh, But Erickson just seems a little more polished to me. Interesting. Anything else in this game that really stood out to you? I mean, TJ Yeldon, 34 yards on five carries. He got no, he, he had a kind of a bad fumble. That, that's what really started this whole thing uh, in the first quarter for the Jags. Uh, but they used him a lot in the receiving game. Uh, I th- he, they checked down to him a few times, uh, only, only hauled in a, a couple catches. Um, but, you know, I mean, nothing really to keep too much of an eye on. It was a little bit of a disappointing showing on national TV. This always seems to happen whenever the Jags get there, like once every five-year national TV game. They just look terrible, and everyone makes jokes about them on Twitter. But they did they did win the game in the end. Uh, 15 fourth-quarter points ended the game with 23 unanswered. I mean, what more can you say? Hashtag Jags joke off. Sure. Is that what happens? Yeah, I mean, there's just not enough activity, really. Like, I follow a lot of Jaguars people on Twitter just because, you know, I, I have to. But I think generally... I don't think people think Jags Twitter really exists. You know, it's just the national people will take their shots. There's really not, there's really nobody defending the Jags because there's just such a small, you know, small fan base. Jags Twitter exists. Just use yeah, the hashtag. It's great. Ball and you'll, you'll see. No, it is. It is really good. There's a lot of, there's a lot of smart Jags people out there. That's the, that's the whole, you find all the underground Jags stuff <laughs> using the hashtag Duval on Twitter. Uh, looking at the Texans and Cardinals, a couple picks for Carson Palmer, five, nine, 64 yards. Not really a good showing in limited work, Brock Osweiler played well on the other side, 11 for 13, 146, and a score. Running game didn't do much. Lamar Miller scored, but in terms of efficiency, it just wasn't there for the Texans. We saw David Johnson get into the end zone for Arizona. We saw Will Fuller score for Houston. Uh, nothing really to write home about other than that Palmer line. And not necessarily, Palmer's been bad. That's the thing. It's like he didn't play well at the end of last season either. And when you pair what's happening right now with that, do you start to have some concerns about Palmer as that sort of like fringy top 10 quarterback that people maybe are treating him as on draft day? I think if anything, you're concerned more about, you know, the Cardinals from a real football perspective, Uh, you know, a team that I think many think is maybe the favorite in the NFC and, you never want to take too much away from from the preseason. We'll probably be sitting here in week four as Carson Palmer has four, you know, fourteen touchdowns and two picks, and be laughing at this. But he hasn't looked good, and it's, it's a little bit concerning. It doesn't worry me too much because I'm not putting a whole lot of investment in Carson Palmer. But it's, I mean, it, things something horrific would have to happen for him to ever you know lose that job or be in any real danger of of harming his value. Yeah, I think it would be pretty bad performance yeah. wise over i don't think i don't weeks. think matt barkley is knocking on that door doesn't seem like it as uh, as the short-term options in arizona go so palmer should have plenty of job security let's move on to the vikings and chargers melvin gordon four for 51 and a td and his teammate brandon oliver suffering a devastating achilles injury i don't think he's officially been ruled out for the season but that's the speculation and you've watched the video i have not watched the video i i saw the video i saw the video i did not play the video you you didn't choose to watch someone someone on my twitter feed retweeted it it, with the caption of oh wow you can actually see his achilles snap and as someone who hates anything you know any kind of injury related video i immediately scrolled through um kind of imagining what that looked like i, I sent it to to rotowire's jake latarski this morning i guess he's into that kind of stuff he nearly choked on he a had muffin. a weird yeah he had a reaction that caused me to like jolt around 
and see if he was okay. Yeah, I was going into like first aid mode. Like I was yeah. getting up to go like give him a Heimlich. No, I seriously thought he was choking on something. Yeah, it sounded. I think awful. he might have thought that too. Yeah, it was. So, so yeah, don't like, watch that video. It, no, you don't, you don't need to see it. He's he, look, he's not coming back. I still haven't year. seen the Nick Chubb video. I've just kind of avoided. All I saw of those I saw things. the Nick Chubb one by accident. So and I think I saw the the Marcus Lattimore second one by accident too. Still haven't seen that one. Uh, Kevin so, Ware, I think, is the last one. Oh, the Kevin oh, actually, Ware no, Paul bad. George. Paul George. That was what bad. did it for me. That put it over the top. The oh, what was the other bad? I saw the Willis McGahee one happen live Ooh. in college. Oh that yeah, was, that I remember was a that bad one? Yep. I think Gross. I cried when that happened. Ugh. Was he your favorite player? I love Miami back in the day. He, he wasn't my. Fa- I mean, Devin Hester, I think, is what really did it for come, me. Coming out of Roscoe the Parish. Yeah. Well, you know me. Uh, you know, being being from Northeast Wisconsin, it was just kind of a natural choice. Um, so but contrarian. No. You're from Northeast Wisconsin. You root for the Jags, <laughs> and you like Miami football. I liked Miami back then. I mean, everyone everyone my age liked Miami back then. They were the cool. They were on the forefront of the uniform game. I had the Miami starter like over the head pullover yeah, jacket see, as you, a kid. What are you talking about? Oh, you're, we're in the same boat. I, I still have a Miami Devin Hester jersey sitting at home. Well, in, in like the the mid '90s, I felt like at least as a kid, you chose one of the three Florida schools. You could yeah. root for Florida, Florida State, or Miami. Right. That's just like one. Well, they were all three. big at that time. They were all once, great. Yeah. They were all like top ten programs. It felt like all the time in, in in the hunt for national titles. And you know, when you're when you're nine, you don't really understand the transgressions of those programs. Were you a, were you a big Chris Winkie guy? No, never. Peter Warwick. I thought Peter Warwick was one of the best college players he was. I've ever seen. He was amazing as a He was, player. yeah. One of the worst NFL players of all time. Yeah, kind of a strange. I mean, like, that's the thing. He wasn't just an average NFL player. He was really bad. He did go. Didn't he go to the really bad Bengals team, though? I don't know if he ever really got a fair shake. I think he was part of the Achilles Smith Bengals, wasn't he? Yeah, I believe so. Him Not and Carl good. Pickens. Uh, I don't know if he overlapped so, with Pickens. Post Pickens. The Jeff Blake. Carl Pickens Bengals of of my childhood they were bad teams but they were like a good fantasy Mm -hmm. duo like that's that's what sticks out in my mind but circling back to Melvin Gordon briefly I mean without Brandon Oliver now uh, behind him on the depth chart that opens things up quite a bit as far as less competition for carries uh Danny Danny, Woodhead Danny Woodhead's still there but ever heard of him a mid first round pick was Melvin Gordon I just I look at the Chargers as a team that wants to see him succeed in in part because they've screwed things up so badly this year's first round pick not that that's, those situations are directly related, but they just seem like an they organization kind of that that just they just draw the line in the sand. They're like, no, like we're right about this. Like that mm-hmm. that's kind of the way I, I see that. Well, right or wrong, when you have an investment in a player, and I, I think you know the, the Bosa thing is is its own separate incident. But when you have a first round investment in a player, especially a running back, especially in you know 2015, 2016, when it's fairly rare to take a running back that high, you got to do everything you can to to make sure that you're getting the return on the investment, or at least it looks like you're getting a return on it, and. 39-yard touchdown for Melvin Gordon in this one. That That's the longest run of his career, I believe, right? I think last year his longest was only like 23 yards. Even longer one this preseason? Uh, his other touchdown was a receiving touchdown. Oh, it's kind right, of a check yeah. down over the middle. But this one, Phillip Rivers was literally tackled as he handed the ball off to Melvin Gordon. They called the same. So it was like the super. It was like the Tecmo Super Bowl. It looked whatever. like a. You know what? You know when they run that the halfback. You know mid mid screen where the the lineman literally just let everybody run through. Like that's exactly what it looked like. And he just barely got the handoff, and Gordon was untouched. Hmm. 
Interesting. But it looked it did look like old Melvin Gordon. We got the full kind of sprinter's run where he's just taking those long strides, something we just saw almost nothing of in 2015. I keep trying to tell people he, he's just not your typical Wisconsin back. Like He's much shiftier in space. He is. Faster. Like Top-end speed. Yeah, I there. told a lot of people that, too, and then last season happened. Last season happened. They were 31st in run blocking last year, yeah. which probably was a factor. Uh, Stephon Diggs, five catches on five targets, 71 yards. People just don't really seem to talk about him that much. I know the first four games last Last year compared to his, the rest of his body of work significantly different and in part probably because teams started covering him differently after he burst onto the scene any expectations for Diggs as kind of like a low-end wide receiver three oh, yeah. receiver off the bench for this year I think so I mean I think he's still the number one for Minnesota and that has some value even in a, a fairly weak passing offense and, and an offense that relies so heavily on Peterson but being the number one it's kind of like we talked about you know with Carlos Hyde that gives you some value over even if there's a more talented number two or a number three elsewhere that's great but they're still not going to see the target numbers that a, that a number one is long term is, is Stefan Diggs you know where does he kind of fit in I feel like they drafted Laquan Treadwell with the the hope that he's kind of the number one in the long term Diggs maybe slides into a I don't even know what kind of role I mean a a slot number two uh, I don't know if he's necessarily yeah, a slot, maybe guy, not a slot. I think with with Minnesota I mean long term what happens at running back? Is Jarek McKinnon a starter for them in 2017 and beyond? If he is, the offense isn't the same as it is right now with Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. there. So they may have to throw it more, and there may be a lot more to go around. Who knows what they do, of course, in the draft, free agency, whatever. What do you think of McKinnon, by the way? He's gone in most of the leagues that I've done. He's either been a $1 player or he's gone undrafted. I like him because if AP gets yeah. hurt, he's clearly the best option. Right. I mean, there's no value if AP doesn't get hurt, but if he if AP does get hurt, I think the value is going to be huge. Like a 16-team PPR league, full-point PPR, maybe there's something there because they're going to apparently use McKinnon to catch a lot of passes. Sure. Yeah, that, that's the extent to which I'm interested as long as Adrian Peterson is healthy. Nobody ever gets in their car thinking, I'm drunk, I'm driving, and I'm going to kill someone tonight. They might think, I've had a few drinks, but I'm okay to drive, or I only live a few minutes from here, or I've gotten away with this plenty of times before. And they think like that right up until the moment they kill someone. Thousands of people are killed in drunk driving crashes every year. It's better to be safe than sorry. Download the free Safer Ride app to help you call a taxi or send a friend your location when you've been drinking. Drive sober or get pulled over. Now it's time for our safe sleeper pick sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Many of us will be downing beers in our fantasy football drafts, which leads to bad decisions in the later rounds or worse decisions like getting behind the wheel after the draft. Nick, today's safe sleeper pick is DeAndre Washington. If you look at running backs who have the starting job right now, Latavius Murray is not at the top of the list of players you expect to lose the job as a result of struggling. That'd be Matt Jones, Jeremy Langford, guys like that. But Murray's probably in the next group if you're tiering if you're tiering those rankings. If you're trying to like group players in terms of likelihood, he might be in the you know second most likely group. And if that happens, to me, it's DeAndre Washington who takes over. Had a good game against the Titans in the Raiders uh, week three of the preseason over the weekend. Eight for 55. I think he's got some ability to catch some passes. He's not big, but he's not tiny either. I think he's big enough to handle the workload if called upon. And with Latavius Murray, I mean, I think he has to be at least as good as he was last year to retain the job. If he takes a significant step back, I have to wonder if the Raiders would consider making a change. Yeah, and the thing about this is I think if they did make that change, it's not like it would be a a full-on swap, you know, where 100% of Latavius Murray's carry all of a sudden just go to DeAndre Washington. But, you know, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me, like you said, if 
come week six, week seven, if this offense is struggling, if DeAndre Washington starts getting maybe a 60-40 split. So, I mean, to some degree, I think the floor for Murray is relatively high just because they're not going to completely phase him out of this offense. But DeAndre Washington is basically the antithesis of Latavius Murray. What is Murray? 6'2", 6'3". Washington goes probably 5'8", maybe 5'9", kind of more of the, the scat and water bug type of back, whereas Murray is a little bit more of a power back. He runs high. Washington runs low and and I think he's a better receiving threat already so if he's already on the field you know in a lot of receiving situations maybe that already translates to more carries we'll see but I think this could end up being maybe more of an even 50 50 split rather than one guy you know taking over the other's job yeah I look at it more as like an an injury type thing that would open up a lot of touches for Washington but I think he can coexist with Murray no he'll be a part of the offense right away right so if you were taking shots you know at, at Kenneth Dixon late in your draft no. Washington instead might be the guy yes. you go after. I, I think even place. before the Dixon injury, yeah, because of the crowding in Baltimore, right? Better offense in Oakland. Uh, I think the I think the opportunities for Washington are going to be there right away. I mean, he's not going to be the starter, but he's going to be on the field. I don't know if you could have said that about Dixon for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. So looking at this Titans Raiders matchup, I mean, we saw Derrick Henry run it pretty well, twelve for forty nine on a score. Demarco Murray eight for forty. Mariota had 20 rushing yards on three attempts, 9 of 16 for 170 through the air, 60 of those I think going to Tajay Sharp on a long catch, Sharp's only catch of the game. But the Tennessee offense, I mean, it's, I think it's starting to make people it's coming believers around. as you go well, through this preseason, which, again, take out the appropriate grain of salt, but Mariota, I, I do like him as an, as an NFL prospect, and I, I thought last year the knee injury really kept him from running as much as we would have thought. Add Murray and Henry, it completely revamps the running game and really makes them rely a lot less on Mariota's arm than they would have had to last year to be successful. Yeah, I think he's he's on the upward trajectory, certainly. I mean, what, what does worry me, you know, a little bit is they just don't have any receivers, and I think they might have traded away their highest upside receiver. So I think the running game is going to be a lot better. I think they'll be a much more balanced team. I think they'll be a better overall team. I just I do wonder a little bit about Mariota's fantasy value. I mean, to me, he's he's a, a step behind Jameis Winston just because he doesn't have any of the weapons, you know, the, the caliber that Jameis Winston does. That's uh, I, I, that's the thing I like so much about the Tampa Bay offense that you, you go pretty deep as far as Evans, Vincent Jackson, right. Austin Safarian Jenkins, all being very good options. Mariota has Andre Johnson, Tajay Sharp, and Rashard Matthews. I like Rashard Matthews. Delaney Walker's a good tight end, too. But Delaney Walker is a good tight end. It's still probably like, in terms of personnel talent, bottom five, bottom six of the league as far as their pass catchers go as a group. Right. Maybe they could move up. Maybe Tajay Sharp's a better player than we expect. Maybe Rashard Matthews can do something close to what he did last year in Miami with volume, but those are a couple of pretty big maybes at this point. Mm-hmm. Very, very unproven situation uh, as far as the chiefs and bears go jeremy langford scuffled in this one his preseason hype may be dying down for those who are starting to get kind of excited nothing else on the Bears side of interest to me kevin white had four targets caught one for three yards i don't have kevin white anywhere nick and i don't think that's nope. gonna change anytime soon where where would you get him or where would you slot him into a roster would you be comfortable if, he, if he's your third receiver or do you want no i don't want him to be a starter for me even like okay. in a 14 team league i'm with so. you on that i think there are people who would be comfortable with that playing the upside but it, it, it's different to me because he's not going to come back in a situation where even if he is really good he's going at best he's a number two for this offense you know i mean alshon jeffrey's still going to be there sucking up most of the targets and, and that's what worries me i guess the most yeah i'm I'm okay with him being the two because I think they may have to throw it a lot, but 
I don't know if he's going to get the volume of a typical number two mm-hmm. since this is essentially the rookie year since he missed last season. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, Travis Kelsey in midseason form for the Chiefs. Uh, Alex Smith, 20 of 30 for 181. 30 attempts in a preseason game for Alex Smith. That's kind of Just weird. classic Chiefs volume throwing. Yeah, classic Chiefs indeed. <laughs> Lions and Ravens. Terrence West ran it well. Kenneth Dixon ran it well before he got hurt. Uh, Buck Allen, 8 for 15, caught some passes as well. 4 for 17 in that facet of the game. Justin Forsett didn't play much, which makes you wonder if Justin Forsett actually is the starter to begin this season. I have no idea. It's it's extremely hard to read in, in these preseason games. Um, I mean, like we talked about last week, it's more about when you play, I guess, as opposed to how much you play. Uh, in these preseason games but I mean this this backfield is a complete mess I think Terrence West ends up factoring in at some point like you said uh, Buck Allen and and maybe even Kenneth Dixon when he gets back but uh, the Ravens offense to me is is bottom five in terms of you know when you look at a team that's inspiring from a fantasy perspective they're bottom five in inspiration but I feel like they won't be bottom five in production. Like they're gonna find. I thought you were gonna say heart. Oh, and heart. No, <laughs> be top five in heart. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. With with John Harbaugh yeah. calling the shots. Look at Zach Zenner. Elite in terms of heart. Yeah. Three for thirteen for plunge for, for thirteen Z. yards. Three plunges, thirteen yards. One of those was for eleven. Yeah, also. an eleven yard plunge. Amir Abdullah played. Good sign for the Lions. Four for sixteen. Nothing crazy as far as workload goes. Matthew Stafford wasn't very good. Fourteen of twenty three, ninety five yards and a pick. Sacked twice. Lions offense, I <laughs> as if the rest of the quarterbacks did much better, right? Oh yeah, Jake Rudock, O of six. Why? Yikes. How? How is he? I don't even. I, I have no. I wish I had an answer for you on that. I do I not. Got, I got nothing. I, I don't understand. Moving on to the Colts and Eagles, Doriel Green Beckham scored only three targets, two catches, fifteen yards, but cashed one in for a TD. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that play, but. It, it was nice. It's the typical like, hey, look at this guy. He's got amazing. Physical it was a very ability. nice throw by by Bradford, but he he made that. I mean, you know, your typical back corner fade in the end zone made that look about as easy as I've ever seen. Well, that's that's why they got him. That's why they they made that move. And Tennessee, I mean, could be proven wrong as far as their willingness to give up on Doriel Green Beckham. But of course, off field problems go back all the way through mm-hmm. his college days. He did so. offer the the road crowd a nice salute after catching the touchdown. Oh. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I guess that's, big, I'm a big fan of salutes. You, yeah, you like the salutes? Salutes. <laughs> salutes? Salutes. Oh. Just make, sure, you know, just make sure to get the A when you're pronouncing that. Uh, I think it's salutes. Like, you know, like. Like with a D? Like the Spanish. Like, oh, okay. Cheers. No, I was just saying when you said it quickly, you know, it could be, it could be misconstrued. Salutes? Salutes. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Sam move Bradford, on, move 17 on. of 20, 167 yards, two TDs. Played pretty well, not getting a lot of no, attention. No, he looked good. Uh, could be a viable option in, in deeper, like, 14-team leagues as we talk about. Maybe a guy that, in two QB leagues, gives you a better return than you expect. I don't really like any of the pass catchers here right now. I mean, with Jordan Matthews banged up, I don't like Green Beckham enough to where I want to rely on him every week if he's my fifth receiver or something, and I can take a wait-and-see approach. Sure, why not? But I don't want to have to use him throughout the year Colts uh on this one ugh, Robert Turbin four of 24 Andrew Luck 13 of 18 for 134 their running back situation really is bad and it's real Ridley bad doesn't help make things any clearer Moncrief and Philip Dorsett productive in this one three for 49 for Dorsett six for 58 on eight targets for Dante Moncrief still don't have a share yet 
going to try to get one before the end of draft season. Uh, the Battle of New York, Christian Hackenberg. A lot of Christian Hackenberg, which isn't good for anyone. 6 of 16, 105. He's been the worst pick. quarterback in the preseason. Well, he threw a TD pass in this one, Nick, so things maybe are looking <laughs> up. Matt Forte had 10 carries. The fact that he was out there and healthy enough for 10 carries bodes well for his chances of being ready for a week one. Nothing else in this game matters to me at all. Like This was one of the worst preseason games of the week, despite the fact that it finished 21-20 in favor of the Giants. Uh, Rams and Broncos, Trevor Simeon, we talked about him getting the starting job, went, 20, went 10 of 17 for 122, a TD and a pick, 4 for 63 from Demarius Thomas, 3 for 45 from Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, we saw C.J. Anderson run pretty well. Ronnie Hillman outperformed Devontae Booker. I don't think you want to read a whole lot into that. As we mentioned, Mark Sanchez healthy, did not play, so he looks like he might be third on that depth chart when all things are, are posted in the near future. Anything on the Rams side stand out to you at all? Not a ton. Um, no, really, I should say it's flat no. But uh, Tavon Austin did get a nice contract extension this uh, this weekend, which doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot for the present, but you know, an interesting investment for a guy who's you know been up and down since getting drafted. Fair enough. On the Friday front, uh, nothing really doing in, in good majority of these games, but a couple performances that really stood out in New England or with New England. Chris Hogan had a nice game in this one. Uh, six or five, five catches, 62 yards and a TD on six targets. So good performance from him. Uh, kind of like the sleeper appeal with Hogan just as a guy that's going to be productive simply because of the offense like, he's Wouldn't be productive in. anywhere else, but of course, New England. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't be as someone you think about in probably 26 other offenses in the league, but he landed in one of the four where he becomes pretty interesting. Uh, Carolina side of this one, more of the same. Couple picks for Cam Newton, didn't play real well. Funchess was targeted 10 times, five catches for 49 yards. The backup running backs, Jonathan Stewart, continue to underwhelm as a whole. Uh, You move on to the Green Bay-San Francisco game. Randall Cobb scoring on a short TD catch. Kind of looked like pre-2015 Randall Cobb again, even in a game where Jody Nelson wasn't on the field yeah he looked fast he looked really fast nelson warmed up for this game didn't end up playing as i think was probably expected um Devontae adams dropped what was a very nice throw i can't remember if it was rogers or callahan at the time but uh dropped a touchdown pass in this one um this packers offense looked very 2015 on the first drive did you watch this game i did not it was a lot of like gimmicky Rodgers trying to draw people off sides. You know, like they, it was just it, it was a struggle. I guess it looked exactly like it did for so much of last season. Uh, but the second drive, they were able to turn things around. Like you said, Randall Cobb uh, ended up punching that one in from 15 yards out on a quick pass. But it, it was not extremely inspiring. And maybe once Jordy Nelson gets back, that's when that changes. I really want to see Devonte Adams live up to the hype, but is it ever going to happen? Like I'm I don't know what the hype is that. at this point. Well, like what is his hype has been significantly lowered, right? Let's 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 rewind a little bit. Let's go back to the 2014 draft mm-hmm. and let's let's think about how this went down. Don't right? do, you know we don't have to do this. Are you sure <laughs> you, you don't want to do this? <laughs> I mean, do you, you know where this at your is own going, peril? You? I do know where it's going. You know exactly where this is going to go. Like who got drafted after him? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Devonte Adams was taken by the Green Bay Packers, pick 53. Okay, round round two. Allen Robinson taken by the Jags eight picks later like the Packers could have had Allen Robinson instead of Devontae hey, I'm Adams. not complaining it would it seemed like history su- suggests that the Packers should have taken Allen Robinson and the Jags would have ended up with Devontae Adams but I think things are switching in my favor you think you think this is like they could have had Bishop Sankey he went 54 
Think about that. Could have been worse. Uh, Jarvis Landry would have yeah. been fine in that role. I mean, geez. Like, it's, I mean, it's so easy to do as revisionists, but yeah, it, it's, it's rough. Virtually every receiver that went after Devontae Adams has been more productive. If you go to the next round, Josh Huff, Dante Moncrief, John Brown. What was the case against Allen Robinson as a prospect, though? I mean, big, fast, I don't know. I was just receiver. talking about that with a friend last night, actually. And like, I, he, he wasn't a big college football fan, and I was trying to explain, like, no, Allen Robinson was a big-time star in college, and I remember being surprised that he fell that far, too. Right, we'll, have to, we'll, have to talk, we'll have to talk to Mario Puig. I, yeah, I can't remember what the concerns were. I mean, the 40 wasn't bad, 4.48 for a guy know. at 6.3. The vertical jump, the broad jump, the shuttle, the cone, like, everything tested out really well. Size is above average. Hands are above average. Like, it, it made no sense at all that he was – not a first round pick based on all the measurables i mean he did have a he had 11 touchdowns as a sophomore only six as a junior but it's almost 1500 yards receiving and it wasn't like he had a bad year yeah quarterback play i think was a factor too i think Allen robinson single-handedly made christian hackenberg more of an nfl prospect in the grand scheme of things too but no absolutely the adams over Allen robinson thing ted thompson certainly more good than bad over his time in Green Bay, I think that there's been some hits and there's been some misses. Yeah, that's I mean, going to happen. With the Rodgers draft is kind of just kind of bails him out for everything else, right? Like that earned him. That's quite the a thing. Bit He's, it's leash. earned him some some leeway. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, the ongoing battle in Buffalo for the uh, for the backup job to Lashawn McCoy. I don't know if there's any sort of clarity at all. I mean, Jonathan Williams maybe is in there with Mike Gillisley as the two front runners to take away that job, but. I'm not really banking on either one. It was more Rob Kelly and Mac Brown than Keith Marshall. Keith Marshall had one carry for three yards, so adjust your plans for Washington accordingly. You move on to the Browns and, and Bucks. I mean, Jameis Winston, Mike Evans just did some work in this one. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what we're hoping to see for most of the season. And I mean, Mike Evans is an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous talent. Um, and Josh Gordon on the other side of this one, too. I wanted to ask you about him. I, I believe he went fifth round um as i try to pull up the results from the uh the experts draft that i was a part of on saturday uh let's see where did he go fifth round does sound fourth round right fourth a little end of the fourth round so he went it was golden tate jarvis landry then josh gordon Hmm. he went ahead of alan hearns ahead of deshaun jackson ahead of dante moncrief um devante parker etc you know, we had just talked about prior to that draft on the radio, uh, somebody had called in asking about Josh Gordon and, and Mario Puig, who does a ton of drafts this time of year, had said, you know, sixth, seventh round is where, where I've been seeing him go. So to me, seeing him go at the end of the fourth was higher than I was expecting when he was someone I was maybe looking at with my fifth or sixth round pick. But four to me seems a little bit high for a player who is in the Browns offense and who's missing four games. But this Browns offense, at least on paper, is is so much more interesting than it was three weeks ago. Yeah, Cleveland and Tennessee are the two teams you look at and you're like, wow, at least you're watchable now because right. you weren't before. The Browns might be like a top 10 watchability team. Those would be fun rankings to put together. I, yeah. I think Gordon in the 6-7 range makes a lot more sense. I mean, a four-game suspension is significant. It is. In the sense that for four If you're games, spending a fourth-round pick, I mean, that's four weeks where you're going to be in theory at least you know lacking a a high-end receiver the more shallow the league the more willing i would be to overpay for him but the deeper the league the more careful you have to be because your replacement level goes down exactly so much uh, in leagues like that one last game to get to steelers and saints 
Steelers coming out on top in this one. That, of course, doesn't matter. But Ben, ben Roethlisberger played well. 12 of 17, 148 yards, two TDs. I saw Le'Veon Bell carry three times for 21 yards. Sammy Coates, two for 66 and a score, a 58-yard catch mixed in there. Caught his only two targets. Marcus Wheaton, two for 40. Antonio Brown, four for 87 and a score on four targets, already in midseason form. Yeah, 57-yard catch for Brown, 58-yard catch for Coates, 36-yard catch for Wheaton. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of why you like this Pittsburgh offense, right, is the big play potential. Yeah, I'd feel better about the Coates TD if it had come from Roethlisberger and sure. not from Landry Jones. But still. I don't know. I mean, with, with a guy who only has, what, one career reception, I think, coming into this season, I'd you know, certainly it's better, I guess, if it comes from Roethlisberger, but just seeing him bring balls in, regardless of who's throwing it, I think is encouraging. On the other side, Drew Brees, 9 of 12, 78 yards and a TD. Willie Sneed, 4 for 58 and a score. Uh, not a player we talk a lot about, but no. certainly was efficient last year when called upon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's kind of been the guy that, that you look to and think, you know, if Michael Thomas emerges, maybe it's Willie Sneed who takes a step back. But Thomas, just one catch, 23 yards in this one, hasn't really done much since having that big week one in the preseason. No, he he really hasn't. Anything else from uh, this past weekend really stand out to you? No, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, like I said, that Jags game was just so frustrating uh, that that I kind of I, I didn't even turn on the second half. So, you know, glad that the boys pulled it out. But, but other than that, a, a pretty quiet weekend. And we are very close now to the start of the actual season. And I need it so badly. Yeah. I need need a real. Well, this this week we finally get like legitimate college football. You you don't get surprised by right. Cal and Hawaii playing in Australia last. Was that last Thursday? That happened. Yeah, right. Last Thursday already. Like, why that are you? Was, why that did that the not real happen? Opener too. Yeah, it counted. Why not this Thursday? Because travel. I don't. I guess. And like, isn't Hawaii already like always like crying that they travel too much and can't afford these trips? Like, how do you how do you swing that? I mean, and I'm sure that there was some incentive provided, but still, I, I don't know what if, if Hawaii thinks that it's too expensive to run a it, D1 I mean, football program because flights out of there are expensive. I, I, I understand, but there's not really a solution to that problem. Know, yeah, like you're not going to move. We're not going to put a whole conference full of schools on the islands. One, maybe that just would be put a, a build a big boat there, a big boat. Just put a like build like a mobile program what if we just built like a big water slide and you could just take a big water slide, slide all from the, the west coast to hawaii that long. would take so long it's not like two thousand miles because like in theory it's like oh you know they'll just play the california teams like even that is like a big time trip right it's it's but it's, i think mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the same distance from like la to new york as it is from la something to like Honolulu that well because maps you know maps lie to you and make it look like hawaii is just chilling like right off the coast of southern maps, california uh, not to scale something that you got to watch out for um always no, make sure your map is to scale that's good life advice you doing anything for wisconsin lsu i'll be in vegas i'll be watching oh that's that right book so nice. yeah I'll, I'll be enjoying that game after my nffc draft absolutely I gotta figure out what i think we big weekend actually do i'm not gonna ask rotowire's chris benzine because he'll tell me to take wisconsin with the well points. the line's out lsu's favored by 10 that's kind of been that's kind of been moving up and down for the last few weeks wisconsin plus 10 is not enough for me i would no. need like probably the full two tds to how about leonard fournette off. rushing yards plus minus 170 under under yeah, I mean, he could, he could go yeah. for like 140 and three scores, and that's not, Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, still under. All right, fair enough. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Jake and Eric are back with you tomorrow.
Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.